Welcome to the Eat With Grace podcast with your hosts, Brooke and Jackie, where we push back on the culture around food and nutrition from a biblical perspective. Brooke, I'm so glad that we're going to be talking about this subject today because I see so many people who are in a lot of fear right now for many different reasons. And freedom from fear is what grace is all about. In fact, some people claim that fear is like the opposite of faith. And maybe there are a few things that are are just so upsetting and overwhelming right now, but food should not be one of them. Food should not be one of the things that we're having to deal with, with this fear. Right. I agree a hundred percent. When we look at, um, I pulled up a Bible verse here. Second uh, Timothy one seven says, for God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and of love and self-control. So like you mentioned, our society is very, uh, very driven by fear right now. I think with, with COVID and everything that's happened in the past year, especially um, you, you can just see like how feel, fearful people are. Um, but I see it, I see a lot of it in my clients around food. Uh, and because of uh, the messaging that comes out, I think from the diet industry or from the healthcare industry, even public health, um, you know, if, if they tell you that, you know, if you eat these things, uh, your chances of getting cancer, dying from a heart attack or stroke or getting diabetes is going to go up. Uh, in some people that instills some real fear. And so all of a sudden uh, they, they have this wall up or they, they are constantly trying to push back on, on some of these foods um, or food groups even, you know, I think carbohydrates are one of those that people are really scared of um, recently or more now than ever, um, when really there really, sh- there shouldn't be any fear associated with those things. Like food, food is not something that we should ever be scared of because it is there to provide us nourishment um, and satisfaction. And so when we, when we give it again, when we, we give it this power uh, to affect how we feel uh, it's, it's giving it way more power than it deserves for one. So. And you know, one of the ways that fear is instilled in, in with food is by the food label, you know, food labels carry a truly incredible amount of information about the contents of the container, like what it is and how um, much is there, how much it costs, who made it, what ingredients are in it, what nutrition it provides, when it was packed and when it should be consumed by. But if this um, information can't be understood, if it can't be used by people who want to use it to make decisions, then it's really worthless. And so some of the information that we put there is just put there for fear-mongering. Right. Right. I think especially, yeah, when we look at marketing, marketing labels, um, specifically, you know, if something says uh, maybe that this food is gluten-free or this food doesn't contain cholesterol or maybe... um, like those kindings, uh, I, I see specifically uh, foods that are ingredient lists and ingredient lists. Uh, you know, th- there's that messaging out there that if you can't pronounce it, you shouldn't eat it. 
<laughs> well, um, there are a lot of chemicals in our food that are naturally occurring. I mean, all of our vitamins, if you actually write them out in their long form and not just list them as, you know, vitamin D, um, it is going to look like a scary ingredient. And so I think, you know, that in and of itself is, is a really poor, poor way to look at food because, um, all food is made up of chemicals in really, really long, complicated terms. And we wouldn't eat anything if we, if we avoided all of those items. And so um, we do have the safest food supply on earth. And we really do not need to be scared about um, what is in our food, the way that um, some people in the, the media or the culture try to portray that. You know, it'd be so much easier if we could walk into the grocery store, just pull a package off the shelf, and all we're concerned about is, this: is this an item that meets my family's needs for the meal that I'm going to serve it, and the price, you know, can I afford it, does it fit within my budget? But then we, we uh, start to get a little bit of fear, like, oh, does it have too much sugar in it? Does it have too much sodium? Does it have too much sugar? Oh, wait, that's an apple. Right. It does have a little bit of sugar in it. And, um, you know, it's, it's interesting how we, we look at these foods and. Um... Well, and I've, I've actually seen, I went to a conference once and uh, one of the presenters put up, now I'm probably going to mess this up, but put up um, the nutrient content of two different food items. So it gave the calories, the fat, the carbohydrates, you know, all of like the basic nutrition label type information side by side. Um, and everyone had to pick which they thought was a healthier food based on those ingredients. And so everyone was like, well, sure, the one that has, you know, less calories and fat and sugar is going to be the more healthy one. Well, it was literally comparing a donut to, <clears throat> I want to say like a large um, like an entree salad that you'd have in a restaurant or something. The donut was a healthier option based on that food label. And so, you know, without knowing what the item is, if we're only going to look at the numbers, that is really misleading. It doesn't give us the full picture of what something is um, because we can make things look really good or really bad depending on, you know, portion size and all that kind of stuff. So um, that's where focusing too much on that on that nutrition label can be harmful. And I think so many of us have a little bit of fear when we look at a food and we think it's going to make us fat. Mm -hmm. um, I, I would say that most of us at some time in our lives have had that feeling. And the problem comes when it starts to get overwhelming and it prevents us from actually making good choices about food because there's so much fear surrounding eating that food. Brooke, you have any ideas when, when we're overcome with fear that a food is not going to be good enough for our family, but that's all we can afford. Um, what are some, some ways we can work past this, get rid of this fear about food? Well, I think one thing we can do is we need to, we need to just trust God that, that he created food for our bodies, that our bodies are gonna utilize it and take the nutrients out of it that we can get um, and just give him glory and be thankful that we have food to eat. Like, I think sometimes we just get so um, caught up in the health aspect, like the physical aspect of food that we forget, um, we forget about the bigger picture of it. So 
like you've, you've mentioned multiple times, I think just, you know, saying grace and being thankful and showing gratitude for the food you have in front of you, whether it is uh, super health promoting or not, I don't think there should ever be any fear or guilt around that um, because we are called to just do our best with what we've been given, right? So I think I would start with that. I think that is a really good place to start. You know, um, praying at mealtimes and teaching our children to pray at mealtimes is kind of a, a really good thing, a good practice to get into. Beyond that, do we really think about God as we go through um, our daily duties like grocery shopping and picking up food and looking into the pantry of what we're going to have today? So... Um, Maybe, maybe we should think about it. I have a verse like 1 Corinthians 10, 31. It said, so whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Right. And I know we could misconstrue that to say, oh, I can't eat that, I can't eat that. But I think it's more like exploring the heart of the scripture and with simple ideas, you know, say, no, God has provided me with these foods. I am thankful that this is what I can afford even if it might not be all organic or all something else, et cetera, I don't have to fear what God has given me. Right. Right. And, you know, when we, when we talk about fear, when we think about uh, the culture around us and uh, food marketing and stuff, there are so many um, people, groups, companies, whatever, um, that are like using <laughs> using our fear against us. Like they are instilling this in us with these fear mongering messages because they know how powerful uh, fear is as a, as a driver for, for decision-making around food and, and lifestyle choices. So when you think about, you know, I think there's a, there's so much negative, um, negative stuff out there about um, like GMOs and how harmful they are when really the science doesn't, has not proven any of that. Uh, we know that they're perfectly safe, but if you tell someone enough that they're not safe, people are going to start believing it. So we see it in that. We see it in public health campaigns around weight, um, you know, and the, and the fear fear of, of weight gain and fear of obesity I see in people. Um, th there's just, there's so many fear-mongering messages out there. Um, Jackie, can you think of any specific ones? You know, um, when I think of some of the public health messages, like, I am just like astounded that we have spent millions and billions of dollars putting those messages out there. Right. Um, you know, off the top of my head, I, I really can't think of any public health messages, but I think I mentioned before that we did a survey of how people choose what nutrition interventions that they would want, that they would support. It had more to do with their political ideology than it had to do mm. with science. So, wow. so many of these messages, they're, they're, they're aimed at your political ideology, like the sustainability or... Um, that makes sense. I think like vegan and plant-based stuff, all of this anti-meat stuff is all climate change related, which is, comes from a political standpoint as well. You know, another uh, place that some of those diets come from is from a place of animal rights activists. Mm -hmm. And they have never been involved in nutrition. They do not have any information about nutrition. 
But all of a sudden they decided, you know what? We are animal rights activists and we could move into the realm of getting people not to eat any honey because it's stealing the food from the bees or not to eat any, um, you know, uh, eggs because it's taking the egg away from the chicken, even though in no way does the, taking the egg harm that, that chicken. Right. And so when we look at their, it's, um, to name one would be, um, what is it, 21 Days to Vegan? That is a website where you can get all kinds of recipes. Forks Over Knives is another one. Mm. They are really animal rights activists. And their whole goal is to make it so animals cannot be used in research because they feel that that's unethical. It doesn't have anything to do with nutrition. So you don't have to feel that those vegan diets or those vegetarian diets are any better than 20 million other diets, even though they have healthful aspects, what they really are doing is trying to save the bees, trying to save the chickens from you using their eggs, etc. So we really want to look at this fear mongering and say, okay, what is the goal? There's another nutrition group where they actually started as an anti-nuclear um, protest. And so that is their area of expertise and how they moved into nutrition or um, information for parenting or pediatricians, that is a huge stretch. And that's not their expertise at all. So we don't have to listen to them for their nutrition information. You can listen to them for their nuclear uh, message if you want to, or you can listen to them for their anti-animal uh, use and research. But, you know, forget the nutrition part because they're not really that interested in nutrition. I know. It's it's funny that you brought up activism because I think another place where there's a ton of fear-mongering around food and nutrition especially is in Netflix documentaries. I don't know if you've ever watched any of the, the food and nutrition ones, um, but they are so biased. They, 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 are, they are put together by these groups who are either animal rights or, or climate change or, or something like they have some personal agenda. They have some political agenda behind them and they are really well done documentaries. They are very convincing, but they are full of propaganda. And unfortunately, I know I personally have clients who have watched them and have made significant changes in their lives around their food choices based on these documentaries, not realizing that they're not coming from a place of sound science, that they're only presenting one side of the evidence, uh, but people are really, really influenced by them. And that's a dangerous thing. You're right. I have even seen these documentaries showed, shown in um, nutrition and dietetics classes. Mm -hmm. And right. even the professors kind of pick up on it. So one of the documentaries called The Game Changers has yes. an incredible following. And I was asked by NASA to be on a panel uh, talking about The Game Changers. And they had the person who produced Game Changers, the star of the movie, and they had a couple of other um, MDs and myself on a panel to discuss this. Now, the interesting thing about it is I was the only one on that panel, I think, that wasn't either a vegetarian or vegan. And listening, watching the documentary, 
I was, I was sold. It sounds like, wow, that's amazing. But then when you get into the science of it, there is no science behind it. This is all hype. This is a great, great acting job. And somebody is making a lot of money off of it. And the person even told us that um, he had the idea that he wanted to make this movie because he had lost his job. He didn't have any way of uh, supporting himself. And so he had to come up with a way of making money. And Game Changers was that for him. So he got these other people on board, had people put in money so he could afford to do this wonderful production. And he put it out there. And then he went all over the country talking to people about Game Changers. And of course, he's in hotel rooms day in and day out because he's traveling, promoting this movie. And he eats from packets of food, he said, because it's much easier than bothering to eat real food. So he has some dehydrated powder or dehydrated something else in a little pouch. And in his hotel room, he just has to heat up some water, pour it in, and that's what he eats. And he eats this for almost every single meal. So even though they're talking about um, maybe a specific kind of nutrition, it's not based on science. And it's really based on the desire to make money and to have a, a job and a profession. And they're giving out the information in a way that attracts a lot of people. Yeah, that is that. I think that's that's the the thing about like our diet culture and the dieting industry that just makes me so angry is um, is the intentions behind it. Like there are so many people who know nothing about nutrition that create products and programs and develop these things purely to make money because they know that people will buy them. Like people are willing to spend hundreds and thousands of dollars on um, something that's going to, you know, cure whatever ailment they have or to um, help them lose the weight that they've always wanted to lose. And they just, they're full of all of these, um, really exaggerated claims um, that just aren't true. But right, like I said, like they're all feeding off of people's fears of, um, of weight or fear of being unhealthy or fear of dying early or whatever it is. It's some kind of fear that they are feeding off of um, to, to make a profit and, and, and they're making lots of money, unfortunately. They are, they are. And animal agriculture is, um, is under attack right now. And these movies, like the vegan uh, documentaries, yep. they say that animal agriculture is a huge part of the climate crisis. Okay, so now we don't really know what they're talking about with animal agriculture, because there's no real definition of that. We don't really know what they're talking about with the climate crisis, because there's no real definition of that. So it becomes just your word about this pseudoscience versus my word about uh, nutrition and the science evidence-based nutrition that we know. Right. So it's, it's, you know, it has some really good points and it has just enough truth mixed in with the fallacies to make it really believable. That's the definition of pseudoscience. It sounds really good. There's some truth, but it's not all true. So that's exactly what that means. 
And as far as um, animal agriculture, um, like I, I see so many people like red meat is one of those things that gets beat up on all the time. Um, but when we look at beef, and when we look at the nutrients that are found in beef compared to other animal proteins, um, it really is better than any of those other proteins. Like from a human nutrition standpoint, it has the most, um, you know, highest level of uh, vitamins and minerals in it compared to the other ones. Um, and from like looking globally, there are so many cultures and, and small tribal villages and stuff that rely on that protein, like they would have protein malnutrition if they don't have access to these things. And so when we hear about um, these groups and these government agencies pushing to, you know, to decrease animal protein, they don't understand the ramification that it is going to have on the health of human beings worldwide. Um, because there are things that we get from animal foods that we cannot get from plant foods. And when we try to, um, when we try to steer it that way and eliminate it, there are going to be long-term consequences and no one's talking about that. That is so true. One of my students brought up in class today, um, they had a package of, um, of a cheese substitute. I think it was vegan substitute. And they compared it to the actual cheese product. And what they found is in the artificial cheese, all the flavor was coming from fat and sodium. Well, that's much the same with cheese. And so you cannot say that one of those products was more healthy than the other product. But what you can say is one actually um, has at least comes from milk and the other has to be all contrived. And I just think it's interesting because you could compare the two for an animal rights activist as to which they would prefer to eat. But you cannot make that same argument as to which one would be more nutritious. Right. Yep. I agree with that. And then the way the means that it's produced as well, like making cheese from a cow is a lot easier and cheaper than probably making cheese from something else. Like there's a lot more processing and ingredients and stuff that goes into it to get it to that state. So is it, is it really, is it really saving um, resources? I don't know. I think that's arguable. Yeah. And on the label, it did say that it was zero waste. And it said that it was a sustainable diet and dairy free had all these different other claims. Yeah. And um, I think, you know, in a future podcast, that'll definitely be an area that we want to look at. But I want to look at that zero waste one just for a minute. Because okay. in the cheese industry, they used to throw away the way you have your curds and you have your whey. Mm -hmm. So they throw away the whey. But it's almost zero waste now because that whey is used for a protein supplement, which I'm not a big proponent of protein supplements, but it is zero waste. And so for a vegan product to say that they're uh, zero waste, well, so is the dairy product. So right. there's another instance where we can't just say... Um, if we were going to argue which one is better from a zero waste perspective, I would say they're very equal. On a nutritional basis, there's not a lot of difference. So you're all the way back to climate change and your beliefs about climate change, which is very divisive and definitely politically um, uh, separated. 
So animal activism is all to do with politics too. It's, it's right. someone's belief in um, how they want things to be and it has nothing to do with science. Right. Well, and because of that, nutrition has become very political, unfortunately. Um, nutrition should be one of those things that's just very basic and just very black and white kind of across the, across the board. Um, but it, it has become very political because of all those reasons, um, which is unfortunate. So for, for those people who say that um, a vegetarian or a vegan diet is safe, they forget that it is almost impossible to get B12 from anything but animal products. And right. B12 is really important for brain development. It's important for being able to think clearly and make good decisions. So that B12 for a person not eating meat products really would have to come from supplements or fortified foods. So yeah. that kind of diet is really not even a safe diet unless you're adding nutrients that you just can't get from an all plant diet. Right. It's, it's really not sustainable long-term. Um, and like uh, zinc is one of the best sources that we, or uh, protein is one of the best sources. Animal protein is where we get zinc from. And so I know a lot of people have been like going crazy with zinc through all this, uh, this COVID pandemic and everything, making sure that they're, they're not zinc deficient. And, um, uh, you know, if we didn't have animal protein, I think there'd be a lot more zinc deficiency out there because that is one of the primary sources that we get zinc from. So there's, there's just, so, there's so many, there's so many messages around food and there's so many things that like instill fear in people about this. And I know we talked a little bit about, we kind of got onto the, the, the political side of it. Um, but fear of food or fear about certain foods or fear and anxiety around food in and of itself is actually one of the one of the um, aspects of an eating disorder. And so that is where we see, um, that's where we see so many problems come out of this messaging because when people are constantly being told um, to eat a certain way or not eat a certain thing um, and it, it creates this anxiety in them, that's where eating disorders stem from. So this is, I think, why we're seeing so many rises in cases of eating disorders and types of eating disorders because of the, uh, this underlying fear um, around food and what to eat and what not to eat and, and making sure that we're doing the best so that we don't die young or develop a disease, um, that it's, it's actually creating eating disorders, which in and of themselves um, are not healthy for us and, and will increase our risk of dying. And when I work with patients where they have fear of different foods, we really have to work through the idea of the biblical idea of grace. Like, what does it mean to have faith in our food supply? What does it mean to have faith in the way we're cooking our food? What does it mean to um, sit down to a meal with your family and just really enjoy it and not have a fear that this might not be prepared the way you want. This might not be prepared the way you want. Instead, it's like celebrating the person that prepared it, celebrating those people you're eating with, and just really sharing a special time and, um, you know, accepting grace from God that we are able to eat all these different foods and it will nourish our bodies. Right. Yep. Fear, 
fear-driven eating is not healthy. <laughs> fear is going to raise those cortisol level in our bodies, um, which increases you know, inflammation and all kinds of other things. So we do want the eating experiment, experience uh, to be a, uh, a peaceful one. We want it to be pleasant. And so any way that we can remove fear from that situation and just trust in the body that God gave us um, and the food that was provided for us, it's going to be good. It's going to be okay. That is a great place to end, Brooke. I thank you so much for um, those comments and, and from your verse from Timothy. Can you repeat that verse from Timothy again? Right. I really I liked that. I like yeah. how it was worded. I like, and it leaves us with really a sense of where we need to be thinking about. We want to be. Right. So second Timothy one seven says for God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and of love and of self-control. Wonderful. Wonderful. And next time we're going to talk about different food claims or buzzwords or the trendy things we see on labels. And we're going to talk about what do they really mean? Oh, 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 oh,